It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. All right, really appreciate you tuning in tonight. The Memorial Cup semifinal starts in about an hour. Hamilton taking on Regina in Regina. The final is on Sunday. Katie Bathurst waiting for the winner. Blue Jays leading the Phillies 6-3 in the top of the seventh. NBA playoffs tonight. Boston trying to finish off Cleveland in game six of the East final. Final minute of the first quarter. The Celtics lead the Cavaliers 21-18. The Stanley Cup Final starts Monday. Washington at Vegas. We'll have it for you on 6.30, Chad, 6 o'clock. So no inside sports on Monday. We'll have live play-by-play of the game for you instead. So that'll be fun. Uh, Quite a showdown. Ovechkin going for the Cup. Capitals going for their first Cup ever as is Vegas in their uh, in their first year in the league. They haven't been around as long as uh, the Washington Capitals, who, uh, of course, made the Stanley Cup final for the only other time in their history 20 years ago in 1998. 50 years ago, an expansion team made the Stanley Cup final. That was the St. Louis Blues. Later this hour, we'll catch up with uh, a guy who was a player on that team, former NHL coach, uh, won the Stanley Cup, coaching with the Flames in 1989. Terry Crisp will join us. He's always uh, entertaining, so that'll be fun to have him on the show. Uh, thanks for everybody texting 6.30, Won't have time to read all of them on air tonight, but I'll hit on a couple of more here. Um... This texture says uh, about Ty Ratty being a bit of a, a wild card offensively, but I do believe there is something there. His issue has always been being a complete player. With time and grooming from McDavid and Nuge, it'll grow. Ratty has the mind and skill. Speed and defensive awareness is his issue as to why he never became an everyday NHLer, but he is perfect for a second power play option. Text to 63630 about Ty Ratty, who is going to be an interesting guy to follow. Uh, nine points in his final uh, 13 games of the season with the Oilers, playing mostly with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid. Did some good stuff. If uh, he could compliment them, and obviously he's really cheap, so that'd be a big help for the Oilers for sure. Shell says, uh, the last time I saw Manny Viveros on the ice, he was in Cooperalls hoisting the Memorial Cup as a member of our beloved Prince Albert Raiders. I'd be interested to know what he did after that up until he became the Broncos coach. Well, Shell, you may have heard us talking about it in the last half hour of the show. He was in Europe for a long time as a player. He mentioned he retired at the age of 40, went into coaching. He uh, coached the Austrian national team, including at the Olympics in 2014. Back to North America, obviously great year with Swift Current. WHL Coach of the Year could win CHL Coach of the Year tomorrow. They'll give out the uh, awards tomorrow afternoon in Regina. So, uh, yeah, this coaching staff is um, an an interesting one, certainly uh, an experienced one, I think a little diverse, a more diverse one. Uh, 
than what the Oilers had before, and, and there's definitely more head coaching uh, experience today. So anyway, you can text 63630, phone number 780-496-0063. How many of these coaches will be on the bench? McClellan gave his answer. Well, we will have, uh, as we did in the past, we will have a three-man bench, and uh, uh, we will bring Emmanuel down from up top in the, in the third periods uh, to begin with, with the opportunity to grow to a four-man bench. I have no issue with having four people, uh, four quality coaches on the bench. Um, sometimes too many uh, mouths, too many minds, though, lead to over uh, over coaching. So we've got to see and, and uh, experience how the three, Trent, myself, and Glenn, uh, work on the bench. And then if we're uh, if we're where we need to be, we'll add Emmanuel full time. But uh, initially, he'll come down in the third period. Trent will work with the defenseman and control the back end. Um, I'll continue to do what I do, and Glenn will be uh, working both ends of the uh, the bench, uh, making adjustments and, and working with both Trent and I. All right, and look, I think we all realize it is May 25th. That's the plan right now. It could change in the second period of the first preseason game, but that's the plan right now. Yanni, Gullitson, McClellan on the bench. Viviros up top for the first two periods, comes down first intermission, goes back up, and then comes down second intermission and stays on the bench for the third. That is the initial plan. All right. Glenn Gullitson, as you know, has been a head coach. He was actually a coach of the year in the ECHL and the minors. He was a head coach in the AHL, two years with the Dallas Stars, then back to being an assistant with Vancouver, last two years as the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Actually has a better NHL record in four seasons than Bill Peters does in four seasons in the NHL, who's the guy the Flames just hired. Gullitson uh, had this to say about trying to bring positive energy to the staff and to the team. And my outlook is, and, and I learned from some really good guys, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan in Vancouver, Perry Fern, uh, work for Willie Desjardins. Uh, you get what you show. And so if you're showing the bad stuff and doing and saying the bad stuff all the time, you usually get that. And if you're, if you're more leaning to showing how things are done right, um, you, you're going to tend to gravitate that way. So that, that has changed, especially with the younger generation. Um, you know, it's, sometimes it's easy for us coaches to pick out the wrong, but it's better, I think, to reinforce the right. All right, so some philosophy there from Glenn Gullitson, which which I think is interesting, and, and I think the staff last year there were times where they well I know there were times they really cracked down on the team, and I I, I understand that approach, and, and as much as you try to bring positive energy, I mean there are times you have to be blunt and 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 maybe even uh, you know a little uh, a little harsh. I, I don't think that's totally been stripped away from the game. But, but I, the, the Oilers, to me, this past season never looked like they were having a lot of fun. They, they, they looked tense, and I think there were some key moments where the, the coaching staff as a whole, I'm not going to pin it on any one of the four guys, you know, had to make the decision, are we going to be the hard asses here or, or, or are we going or, or to be the motivators? And I think they chose the hard approach, and, and I think there were times that it backfired, quite quite frankly. So... You know, and I'm sure Gullitson is capable of being the hard ass for sure. Um, but uh, but I, I I do think that the Oilers players could benefit this season from uh, a little bit more 
relaxation and a little bit more encouragement as opposed to having every little mistake you make picked apart and punished all the time because I think that happened too often this past year. Trent Yanni talks about his style. Relationships because it followed what's followed up is trust. Um, I think that, that between uh, the coach, in this case with the defense and, and the players, there has to be the relationship first, but that is followed by trust. And, and the, the last thing I would say, Bob, is I, I tell them the truth. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. There's not a lot of gray with me, I'm, and I don't mean that in uh, yelling and screaming. I'll, I'll I'll tell them if they're they're good and 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 try and encourage them to keep going. But I'll also, if they're not going so good, look for ways to get them back on track. And uh, I think that comes with probably the last part is is you know every every defenseman personality is a little bit different and but every defenseman in the national league the national league needs a needs a foundation to work from and uh in in the word defenseman is the word defend and that's where it starts but that's not by any means coaching any offense out of them because i think as we've seen that the game is played in now in four and sometimes five man rushes and you got to have your defense involved offensively if you're going to have any kind of success. Trent Yanni and Glenn Gullitson were on Oilers Now. Manny Viverios was on Inside Sports one hour ago. All those interviews in their entireties are on the Oilers page on 630ched.com. There's also a story there written by Brendan Ulrich. That's the top one today in Edmonton. New assistant coaches for the Oilers, Glenn Gullitson, Trent Yanni, and Manny Viveros. The Eskimos have a game Sunday. We'll have some comments from Jason Moss as we roll along. And Terry Crisp with memories of being an expansion team going to the Stanley Cup Final when we get back. <laughs> This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, there's the reigning MOP. And there's one of the greatest guitar intros of all time. Pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, former NHL player and coach and broadcaster, the one and only Terry Crisp. Terry, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks for asking. And uh, you guys are all good out there, I hear, and we're all getting primed for the... uh, the Stanley Cup final run, and what a run it's going to be. Washington trying to get their first. Vegas, the Cinderella. Well, you know what? That's not fair. They're not a Cinderella team. They're a damn good hockey club. So, And they're trying to do something that nobody else has done is win that cup first year as an expansion team. So it's going to be interesting for our hockey fans. Well, yeah, Washington and Vegas. I don't know how many people had that before the playoffs or before the season or, or at any point in the, in the last nine or, nine or ten months. I, I mean, Vegas, uh, just incredible how they're playing. And I mean, you've been behind an NHL bench. You, you, you won a Stanley Cup as a head coach. And do you just look at the job Gerard Gallant is doing and you got to give him a pat on the back? Or what are you thinking there? Oh, heck yeah. I took, well, I'd phone Gerard Gallant before it started. I'm, I got two of those 501 bets. I have two of the tickets. No, I don't. I can see you looking right now. Jeez. Just see your face. <laughs> yeah, you got me. Yeah, I was I like... look at your face right now. <laughs> you know what? I, I coached Gerard Gallant for a while when I was in Tampa. And just he came out from Detroit. And you just had to know when you watched him play, the way he played, the tenacity and how he played the game. You had to know when he get into the coaching ranks and he was going to have that same tenacity, that same drive. And, again, we, we all look back and say, why, you know, he did a great job in Florida, I thought. 
and they released him. And then I think this is sort of retributive justice, if there's such a phrase as that, that he gets there, he gets the team, they put it together, and every player you talk to or you listen to them be interviewed, the Vegas Knight players, and they all say the same thing. The two things that he's all, all he's asked of them is give me hard work and have some fun while we're doing it. Let's stick together, have some fun, and give me hard work. And if you watch that team play, that's their model. Well, you're right, and they all and they all say that. That's that's been the big quote. And you probably went through that as a coach, though yourself, Terry. Is that uh, you know, at any given time, you got 23 guys on the roster, and then you got your own assistants to deal with. Uh, you know, how how did you kind of juggle the personalities and the different requirements in terms of motivating different people, Terry? Or did you try to just treat everybody the same? No, you know what. Fred Shiro, when I played for Freddie Shiro for five years, coach with him for years, and the one phrase he told us, and we all lived by, was, we are not all created equal, and we will not all be created equal. And when I joined the Flyers that year in 72, he said, Christy, one thing I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get the same ice time as Bobby Clark. My first question was, well, why not, Freddie? Come on, why not? <laughs> so what Freddie said was that, there's no small jobs. Every job's important. But let's be honest. We're not all creating people, you know. And we, we all live by that. Like, if there's four minutes to go in the game and you need a goal, are you going to put Reggie Leach, Bobby Clark, and Billy Barber? Or are you going to put Terry Chris, Bill Clement, and Bob Kelly? Well, come on. Right. So from that point of view, you, you, the bottom line with coaches, and the, the one thing that people forget is that, maybe not so much for players, coaches have to win. The bottom line is we have got to win and we don't have a job. Players, they don't win, uh, they get next year on their salary or they go trade it to another team and keep their salary going and whatnot. But, but as coaches, you don't have that luxury. So in the bottom of your mind as a coach is the fact that how do I win? Who do I have to put out there? Who do I have to – who gets the ice time, who doesn't? And if you keep that in mind and you say, tell everybody, guys, when we go out here tonight, our job is to win. And you know when it's all said and done – and they hand you the Stanley Cup or you put your ring on or you put a championship on, nobody cares who got all the ice time. Nobody cares who killed the penalties, who didn't, whatever. All they care is, you know what, as a team, we got the job done. You know, that, that's an awesome answer, really a great explanation. And you did win the Stanley Cup, obviously, with the Calgary Flames. How much do you, did you need the, the buy-in of some of the veterans on the team? And who were some of the leaders in that department of getting everybody to fall into line and, and go along with the coach's message all the time? Were there some uh, guys that really still stand out for you when you think back to that year? Yeah, there is. You know, I was blessed. When, when I look back at my career and what happened, we won the Cup. I, I, some people are just sort of joking, but it means this. The only way I could have screwed that up was if I opened the, the game at the wrong time. The, the, the better leadership I had, I mean, you start with Randy McDonald, then you go into Poplinski, Hunter, Joel Otto, uh, Joey, Joey Mullen. Um, I'm probably missing a couple of uh, Al McGinnis out there, Suter, uh, Rob Ramage, and then you throw in the mix of a young Flurry, a young Gary Roberts, a young Joe Neuendijk, Hawk and Lube. The first Swede to score 50 goals for it. Like I said, Joey Mullen, the first U.S. player to score 50 goals. And then Mike Vernon having two of the years of his career. As a coach, the biggest thing is and the hardest thing is to, to make sure that you tell the guys who's getting the ice time and why they're getting it. And, and, if I, and I forgot my, one of my, my best warriors, Dougie Gilmore and, and, and Colin Patterson. Probably coach. But all these guys, when you go down the line, 
The same thing if you turn back the clock to the Edmonton Oilers when they had their great runs and their Stanley Cups. I mean, there was no weak spots, and the veteran leaders led. I mean, how can you not win when you have Messi and Gretz and, and, and Lowell and a couple other guys leading them? And I was blessed and proud to have those kind of guys. Terry Crisp joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, okay, an expansion team's in the Stanley Cup final. It has happened before, Terry. And you played for the 1967-68 St. Louis Blues. <laughs> now, the, the, I was talking about this on my show last night. The circumstances were different because the six new teams were all in the same division. So one of you was going to the cup final. Um, and, you know, St. Louis had better regular seasons in year two and year three and made this and made the final again. But what, like, what do you just remember about being a part of an expansion team? Um, you know, even, even a year ago, some people were wondering, is Vegas going to work? Will people get behind it? I mean, when you were going into St. Louis, were you kind of like, like, is pro hockey going to work here? What do you remember about being a blue that year? Exactly. And they had that song, When the Blues, or When the Saints are marching in, well, they use the blues for it. And that was the first thing that caused me, you know what? The fans are up singing that. They're they're behind us right off the bat 100%. And that gave us a, a lift right off the bat. Then Scotty Bowman walks in to our dressing room with our coach, and you think, okay, this guy, who is he? And just became the winningest coach ever in it. But I think that, that year, if people forget, and I remember, we played the Montreal Canadiens. And in their first round, they they swept a, a, a Boston or Chicago. They beat one of them four zip, and they beat the next team four to one, and they swept us four nothing. But what I remember about our series at uh, Montreal that finals was every game, every game was one goal. They beat us in overtime three two. They beat us one nothing. They beat us four three, and they beat us in another overtime goal. So we took Montreal as hard as we could to the wall. We weren't good enough to beat them. But I tell you, when that series is over, we were proud of ourselves. We were proud. And the gentleman who won the Conn Smythe Trophy that year as the best player in the, all of the playoffs was a young man goaltender called Glenn Hall. Not too shabby. Yeah. Well, that was incredible. And, and then, obviously, like I said, you guys um, were, now looking back at the standings, I, I wasn't born then, but, you know, the kind of the class of that division um, and you wound up getting swept in the next two Stanley Cup finals as well. Do you look back and say, hey, hey wait a minute, like, because a lot of people say, ah, oh, yeah, you know, the Blues, they just got in because all the teams were in, in one division. But, I mean, you had, you had pretty good teams. Do you, do you look back and say, man, how did we not maybe win a cup or, or win a few more games in the final? Exactly, we do. But you know what? We fully realize we're up against that odds against us. But where we have and have it in our minds, and people don't realize Getting out of our division, out of our section, out of the east, out of the west, rather, was tough. Like our first year, we wanted not expansion that year. We just talked about. We had two seven-game series. One of the, the seventh game went into overtime, if I'm not mistaken. So we didn't just parade through to get there. We worked our buns off on our side of the ledger to get there. So yeah, we didn't do what we would like to have done. We didn't do what was expected of us, but we expected of ourselves in that area. But I'll tell you one thing, we were proud of what we did, and we worked hard in the previous series to get there. Yeah, I bet you did for sure, Terry. Thanks for checking in tonight. That's Terry Crisp, former NHL player and head coach, also a broadcaster uh, as well, and some uh, pretty cool memories there about 50 years ago going to the Stanley Cup final with the expansion St. Louis Blues. This is Inside Sports on Chet. 
this is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Bottom of the eighth in Philadelphia, Blue Jays leading the Phillies 6-4. NBA playoffs tonight. Cleveland now pulling ahead of Boston 49-38. Two minutes left in the first half. Cleveland must win that game to prolong the series to a game seven. Memorial Cup semifinal in about half an hour. Regina against Hamilton. Winner plays at Katie Bathurst for the championship on Sunday. The Oilers today. New assistant coaches, as we expected, Manny Viviros, who was on the show earlier. They also hire Glenn Gullitson, who was with the Flames last season, and Trent Yanni who was uh, the Anaheim Ducks assistant coach for the last four years and uh, from 08 to 2011, three years an assistant coach on Todd McClellan's staff with the San Jose Sharks. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope your weekend is off to a great start at 7.35. Hey, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Took Jack Michaels there on Wednesday for his winning bet. Cavaliers over Raptors, though even Jack didn't think it was going to be a sweep, but it was. Okay, so uh, the Oilers today, there was a conference call with Peter Shirelli, the GM of the team, and Todd McClellan, the head coach, mostly about the hiring of the assistant coaches. But Peter Shirelli was also asked about possible moves he might pull off this summer and uh, what could be their magnitude. You know what? We're looking at a lot of different things. I'm not apt to I'm not apt to make a major change is the main point. Um you know, we've we uh, we're we're looking at some some tweaks to the to the bottom half. We're looking at you know possible tweak to the defense core in general. Um, um, I uh, I you know I, I like this roster for the most part. Um, there's a strong critical mass there, so uh, I'm not ruling out anything. But uh, you know, I I, I think we're going to look more towards. I wouldn't call them minor moves, but, you know, not major moves. All right. And as he uh, was asked at the end of the season, and he said that he does, he considers Ryan Nugent Hopkins a very important piece of the team that he would we would he would commit to. I know he's one player uh, most of you don't want to see traded as we move through the summer. Again, get more on the Oilers today on the assistant coach hirings on uh, 630Ched.com. You go to the Oilers page, there are full interviews with all three of the new assistant coaches. The Eskimos will be on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium Sunday afternoon. We have the game for you on 630Ched. The countdown to kickoff commences at 1.30. The game starts at 3. It's uh, quick for the Eskimos. They just started training camp in terms of the on-field sessions on Sunday. Already have a game on Friday, on uh, the following Sunday. Here's head coach Jason Moss. Exactly. I don't think you can cry about it. You just go out and do it. It's on the schedule. But uh, would we prefer to have had a, a earlier start for us to camp so that we could be more prepared? Absolutely. But you know, it is what it is. We just uh, we we scheduled it a certain way. We did certain things uh, to get our guys prepared uh, mentally and physically to play this game this quickly. Um, and then we'll see the product on the field on Sunday. Uh, example of, you know, wanting to hit another another colored shirt. Like yesterday, it was a little testy. It wasn't over the top, but 
there's that to it as well. Is now they can play someone else. Right. I mean, I mean, players want to play football. I mean, part of playing football is hitting people and and going all the way through the motion. You know, and uh, I think when you do that early in camp, there there is a positive to it, and that is the positive. They get to see physically what they're made out of. Um, you know, they get to compete early, so we get to see that as coaches to see really who wants to compete, who wants to be physical, uh, who wants who has learned quickly to right. adapt because during the season we have games where we play in five games five days and you've got to be able to learn a scheme and, and go and execute it so it's very much like a short week for us and then just go out and play um, you know so that is a, a positive to it and I'm more of a positive thinker so I like to think of the positive situations <laughs> and that's what I'll take from it bit of a shorter on-field session today was it because of the game coming up or how you know yeah I mean it's basically like I said for a short camp uh, to play a, to one game I mean to beat your guys up right before you play it if we want to see absolutely what our guys are made of you know this is the way we looked at as a medical staff as our strength and conditioning side uh, with our players we asked our players back in November to be in a different state of mind coming into this training camp uh, absolutely during the mini camp we told them the same thing so I feel like our guys are right where we need them to be. Taking care of their bodies was one thing so that we could see them at near 100% uh, for Sunday. So, you know, we've got a lot of work in mentally over the first uh, four practices. And so now it was just a, basically a break from that. Uh, they're still working out today. They're, they're working out and recovering. So they're doing a little bit different uh, than being on the field and, and doing that, but we've got a lot of work in. Eskimos head coach Jason Moss playing the Rough Riders in a preseason game on Sunday afternoon. So they'll face another opponent, not just going against their teammates, though they, they kind of had, had had another opponent all week long besides their teammates. Uh, Morley Scott was talking to offensive lineman Jacob Ruby about, oh, you guessed it, the Mosquitoes. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're next level out here. They're huge and ferocious. You guys, you guys putting the off on? I haven't. I haven't even bought any yet. I try to just when I see them, I go inside. So they're not. They're not bad out here on the field. But from your, from the stadium to the car, you got to be careful. From your car to your house, you got to be careful. All right, a bit of a lighter moment there from offensive lineman Jacob uh, Ruby. The Eskimos stuck outside battling the mosquitoes through training camp during opening week. Uh, if you missed it earlier, the the first stringers will start the game on Sunday, at least the ones that are healthy. We haven't seen receivers Nate Bahar and Brian Mitchell on the field all week for training camp, but that means Mike Riley is going to play the, at least at the start of the game. Darrell Walker will be out there. C.J. Gable, J.C. Sherritt's back from the uh, injury. Uh, the Riders, and I'm going to I'm going to say it again. I think they're going to be very good. You know, in the past, I've I've always said I'd like Zach Kalaros a lot. I, I was picking Hamilton out of the East. I think three four years ago, he always seemed to get hurt. Saskatchewan got better as the year went on. Last year, they they were so close to beating Toronto in the East final. Remember, they won the the East semi in Ottawa as the crossover team got that late punt return to go up on Toronto, and then Ricky Ray took the Argos down the field, including a third down conversion to win it. Toronto goes to the Grey Cup and then pulls off another uh, spectacular suspenseful victory over the Calgary Stampeders. Chris Jones is a good coach. I mean, he did it here in Edmonton. His teams play fast. uh, They play precise. They execute sharply. And what was interesting to me with Chris Jones in Saskatchewan was that he he kind of did it backwards as as to what conventional thinking would be. You go to a new team, well, I got to get a quarterback. If I got the quarterback, if I got the cornerstone, then I can build the franchise around him. 
Jones kind of went the other way. He built up the defense, built up the speed, got some threats on special teams. You know, obviously they got those uh, dangerous receivers with Carter leading the way. And then, you know, you know, last year, and, and look, I, I'm I'm glad Kevin Glenn is here as a backup to Mike Riley. I think that's a great backup to have. At this point in his career, I don't think Kevin Glenn can be an 18-game starter. And it's Saskatchewan. They're fooling around, going back and forth with him and Brandon Bridge, sometimes into the second half of games until you figure out who was playing better and, and who they should have in there. Well, now they got Kalaros, and I still think the guy can play. And I think this makes Saskatchewan very, very good. It's 742 Inside Sports on 630, Chad. We're uh, about a month away from the NHL draft. The Oilers are slated to pick 10th. Could Ty Smith, offensive defenseman from the Spokane Chiefs, be available at number 10? Well, you will meet Ty Smith when we get back. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. A lot of good defensemen available near the top of the NHL draft coming up in June in Dallas. One of them, and who knows, maybe he's going to be available to the Oilers at number 10 from the Spokane Chiefs, the second highest scoring defenseman in the WHL this season. It is Ty Smith. Ty, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Great, how are you? Doing very well. How's summer so far? You keeping pretty busy? Yeah, pretty busy. It's been good though. All right, good stuff. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for checking into the show tonight. I guess you uh, you had a little bit of international hockey experience too about a month ago. Uh, how did things go with the uh, at the U18s in Russia? Uh, it definitely wasn't the finish we wanted. Uh, we lost out in the quarterfinals to the Czech, but uh, it was a good experience, and uh, we had a great group of guys there, great staff, and uh, just an unfortunate game to have a bad game I guess uh, with the quarters we were undefeated up until then and uh, we beat all the teams that ended up meddling there so it was a bit disappointing How, how was the experience of, uh, of traveling internationally? I don't know if you've ever had been to Russia before but what was that like? Uh, it was pretty cool, it was different it was good to see and uh, definitely a lot different over there yeah yeah, for sure. Well, Ty, it's good to have you on the show. Obviously, the uh, the NHL draft is coming up here uh, in about a month, and, and there's a lot of speculation about you know where you're going to go. One of the top prospects for you, but or you're one of the top prospects going into the draft. But uh, the last time you went through a draft process, you, you went pretty high, as as high as it you could go. What, what do you remember about going first overall in the WHL Bantam Draft three years ago? Uh I remember a little bit about it. It was uh, it was pretty cool. Um, that was obviously my first experience with a, any kind of draft, and uh, it was pretty pretty special to go to the Spokane Chiefs. Uh, they've been they've been a great organization for me, and I kind of got to see it see it announced uh, on the WHL show with my family at home. So that was pretty cool too. Yeah. Let people know for for maybe fans who haven't seen you play, or, or maybe who have just started reading about you here now with the NHL draft coming up. How how would you describe your own game, Ty? What kind of a player are you? I'm a two way defenseman. Um, I definitely enjoy uh, joining the rush and uh, helping create opportunities off the rush and create scoring chances. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I I take pride in playing defense and defending the other team's top players and 
being a guy that can play in all situations, whether it's power play or penalty kill, that, those are all things that um, I strive to continue to improve on, and those are things I think I do pretty well right now. Is there an NHL player that maybe you admire or you modeled your game after or, or who might be a comparable? Uh, I think Duncan Keith a little bit. Okay, well, that's <laughs> that wouldn't be so bad if you wound up with his NHL career, eh? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Is there? So let me ask you this, Ty. Is there something that you either hear about yourself or you hear scouts say about you that you're sick of hearing? <laughs> uh, I I always hear that I'm undersized, and uh, I guess that's probably the, the main thing that I always hear is that I'm undersized, and uh, I. I don't think that's a problem at all. I think that's almost an, an advantage being undersized. Um, just being being lower to the ice, and normally you're quicker than the bigger guys when you're, when you're smaller. And uh, um, at the same time, I, I I kind of enjoy being smaller. And uh, I guess people saying that, oh yeah, you're too small, or things like that. So. Um, I think it's just kind of like a prove them wrong thing, I guess. Yeah, well, good for you. Ty Smith from the Spokane Chiefs joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Look, Ty, there's there's a lot of different draft rankings out there. There's uh, Everybody has their own mock draft. You know, there's there's a possibility, and we're still a ways away, but, there, you know, there's a possibility you could be available to the Oilers at, at 10th overall. Uh, you know, obviously you're originally from Lloyd Minster, so, uh, you know, still kind of on the eastern edge there of oil country. Have you thought at all about the possibility of, uh, of being taken by the Oilers, or did you think about possible destinations even at all? I haven't really thought too much about possible destinations, but... Uh... I'm pretty good buddies with Yami, obviously playing with him, and uh, Kyler's been texting me a lot saying, like, oh, yeah, hopefully you come to the Oilers, whatever, whatever, but uh, he's always bugging me about that, but um, I haven't really thought too much about possible destinations. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm glad you brought up Kyler Yamamoto because uh, I, I wanted to ask you about him. Uh, you finished third on Spokane in scoring. He finished fourth. Uh, I don't know if he ever brings up that he played a few fewer games than you this past season, but uh, obviously he's, he's an exciting player. What, what's something maybe about Kyler Yamamoto, uh, maybe either behind the scenes or practice habits or, or work ethic or something about him that maybe isn't obvious about him that people already know? Uh, I'm not too sure. He's guys, lots of guys know he's, he's a really lively guy. He loves to have fun and he likes to joke around a little bit, but uh, when it comes to games and practicing, he's pretty serious and, and focused, but definitely away from the rink, he's a bit of a jokester and uh, fun guy to be around. Well, and you talk about uh, someone who maybe was was labeled undersized or too small. He keeps proving people wrong, doesn't he? Yeah, for sure. Um, I have a lot of respect for Yami. He's a hardworking guy, and he's always wanting to get better. So, somebody that uh, he's great. He's great to play with these last couple of years. 
Ty, I want to ask you one more thing here. And, uh, you know, whenever I get to talk to somebody who uh, who won an award like this, I, I always like to get the story behind it. You, you were the uh, WHL's uh, Scholastic Player of the Year, which, you know, usually indicates uh, you're probably pretty organized and you understand the balance between hockey and, and things away from the rink is too. How did you manage that, you know, not just getting the schoolwork done, but also excelling at it? Uh, yeah, it's definitely a tough task to do playing in the Western League and playing that many games and always being on the road. But um, I think that uh, it's mainly because of the, the Chiefs organization, Joe Iverson. He's our education advisor. And uh, there's a lady named Lisa Spence that works at a, the school I go to in Lloydminster, the comp. And uh, she, her and Joe work closely together to make sure all my all my credits end up kind of lining up and transferring back so it's not a problem to for me I don't have to worry about that at all it's always nice having those two there and uh, same with um, Joe he's he's got some great great tutors for us in Spokane and uh, they're there anytime I need and I'm pretty thankful for that Uh, if we're gone for a week on the road and come back I can just shoot them a text and they'll be they'll be there to they'll come meet me wherever I need and they'll help me catch up so um, that definitely is a huge advantage for, for the hockey players. I mean, we do have to miss lots of class time, but uh, having the tutors and people like that, it's, it's great for us to be able to catch back up. All right, let me throw a curveball at you here, Ty. What's your favorite subject in school? And if you weren't pursuing being a pro hockey player, what do you, what do you think you'd want to be uh, go, in, go into here at the age of 18? Uh, favorite subject? I, I'm kind of like a math and science guy. Um, I like I like classes like that. I like physics and uh, math, I guess, just any kind of math. That I enjoy that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know. I try not to think too much about uh, not playing hockey. Kind of don't don't want to think about a plan B. I just strive to do good in school in all areas. And if I need to uh, one day, um, hopefully I'll just have those good grades to fall back onto I guess but uh, the main main goal for me is just a hockey player right now Right on. Well, you know, you're going to go pretty high at the draft. Hopefully, I'll get to meet you in Dallas. Thanks a lot for checking in. Again, congratulations on winning Scholastic Player of the Year and some great seasons in Spokane. Talk to you soon, Ty. Thank you. That is Ty Smith. I know looking at the uh, hockey news rankings, they have him at number 10. That is where the number that is where the Oilers are set to pick at the draft in Dallas in a month. A uh, young man, good offensive defenseman. He can move the puck. Says he uh, likes to model himself after Duncan Keith. That's pretty good. Uh, we'll see how he continues to develop. And uh, as he said in there, sick of being called undersized. And uh, plays with Kyler Yamamoto, another, uh, well, not another, who is an Oilers draft pick in Spokane. And uh, you saw Kyler Yamamoto for nine games in the NHL last season. I'm sure he'll be pushing hard at training camp this season. Remember the name Ty Smith. Remember the name Ty Smith. Uh, Wouldn't be surprised if he's available if and when the Oilers pick at number 10. The Oilers today hired Glenn Gullitson, Trent Yanni, and Manny Viveros as their new assistant coaches. Hear from them, read about them on 630Ched.com. Blue Jays up 6-4 on the Phillies in the bottom of the ninth with one out, but the Phillies have runners on second and third. 
early third quarter in Cleveland. The Cavaliers now up 58-45 on the Celtics, trying to force Game 7 in that series. MasterCard Memorial Cup semifinal begins in about 10 minutes. Regina against Hamilton. Besides Ty Smith tonight, you heard from Terry Crisp and Manny Vivrios. Thanks to everybody who texted in. Eskimo Sunday, 1.30 countdown to kickoff here on 6.30, Chad. Game at 3, preseason against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Monday at 6, we'll have play-by-play of the Stanley Cup Final, Vegas against Washington. Thanks to Dave Campbell, our producer, and Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.